Well, hello, good evening, and welcome along to our Wednesday edition of Brett's Old Time Radio Show. And welcome to my home here in beautiful Lion Bay. It's been, the weather's it's quite mild. It's not too bad. On a night, it does get super cold. And I will say, we've had a couple of open fires going. And there's nothing cosier, is there, than a nice fire on a cold winter's night. And it's been lovely. It's been very, very nice. Time now for another episode of Rocky Jordan and a thank you for joining me once again for our regular late night visit to those dusty studio archives of old time radio shows right here at my home on the south coast of the United Kingdom. I'm Brett. I'm your host for our nighttime podcast. Welcome to another episode. I've got Facebook, Instagram and YouTube. They're all called Brett's Old Time Radio Show. You need to go check them out. If you've not done, go on, go for it. Time now for another episode and another adventure from Rocky Jordan. This one first broadcast on the 20th of November, 1949. It's called The Big Heist. Buy wisely. Buy for flavor. Buy Del Monte. Del Monte, the brand you trust for flavor in so many good foods. Time now for Rocky Jordan, brought to you by Del Monte Foods, the brand preferred by more women than any other line of canned fruits and vegetables in the world. Not far from the mosque Sultan Hassan in Cairo stands the Cafe Tambourine, run by Rocky Jordan. The Cafe Tambourine, crowded with forgotten men, alive with the babble of many languages. For this is Cairo, where modern adventure and intrigue unfold against the backdrop of antiquity. Del Monte presents Rocky Jordan and this week's story, The Big Heist. <laughs> started on the afternoon I took a walk to the British Embassy office. One of my customers the night before had lost his passport at the tambourine. I was going to turn it over to the consul and have him deliver it to the owner. I went through a large plate glass door into the ante room of the embassy office. There was a map of the British Isles on the wall and a couple of travel posters of the Dominions. A big mahogany desk stood in the middle of the floor right next to a full waste paper basket. Behind the desk sat a British brunette with a French haircut. She was the consul's secretary. You could tell she was real efficient by the way she was spreading red polish on her fingernails. Yes? May I help you? My name's Jordan. I run the Cafe Tambourine. One of your nationals left his passport in my place last night. Oh? Well, here it is. Uh, You'll see to it that he gets it. Oh, yes. Just toss it on that pile. My fingernails are still wet. Oh, sure. Uh, Thanks so much, Mr. Jordan. I'm sure whoever it is that lost their passport appreciates your returning it very much. Excuse me a moment, Miss... um... Buckley, Helen Buckley. I couldn't help seeing that telegram lying on your desk. Oh. It says it's from McLean. Could that be Freddie McLean from London? Why, yes. Flew with the RAF, flies British transport now? The same one. Oh, we're old friends. We always get together every time he makes Cairo. I uh, see he's coming in. Yes, the telegram says, keep Thursday night open. You saw it. You say, I don't like to break in on anything, but how about you and I meeting him at the airport together? Have supper on me, rehash old times a bit, and then, well, you two can carry on from there. Well... Just a suggestion. Skip it, No, 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 you? no. 
I suppose it's all right. Might even be fun. It's a date, Mr. Jordan. Make it rocky. All right. Rocky. Thursday evening, then. Well, Helen Buckley and I were at the airport Thursday evening waiting. The Cairo airport's a modern affair, a very busy place. Planes shuttling in and out from all parts of the world. DWA flight 907 for Athens, Rome, Geneva, Paris, and New York. From where we were standing, I could see the big constellation being ready for its flight to the United States. It gave me a lonely feeling. But I shook it off as the PA spoke again. British transport... Flight 6-1, arriving now from London, England. Oh, that should be Freddy's plane, Rocky. Yeah. Come on, let's get closer. We watched the big plane taxi up to gate 4. Then they cut the motors and the passengers began to disembark. Then we watched the crew come out. And we were in for a surprise. Freddie McLean wasn't among them. Well, we asked a few questions about him, but no one knew anything. We figured we might as well leave. That's when I spotted an armored car with a couple of guards parked off the side of the field. Alongside the armored car was a black limousine that looked real familiar. It was Captain Sam Sabaya's police car, and he was standing by it, nervously looking at his wristwatch. Sergeant Greco was there, too, and a couple of very British-looking gentlemen in street clothes. It was a cool evening, but they were all sweating. I got a funny notion that maybe they were waiting for the same one Helen and I were, so I decided to find out. Hiya, Sam. Hmm? Oh, Jordan. Looks like you're hard at work. Armored truck, guards, scrim look. Yes, Jordan, I am hard at work. Uh, waiting for something? Uh, please, Jordan, I do not have time for conversation. Now, if you do not mind, I would appreciate it. Sorry, if... Sam. Just thought I'd say hello. Yes, yes, of course. Now, if you will excuse me, yes, Jordan... Yes, we've both been disappointed, Sam. I was waiting for a friend who never showed. Indeed. Well, we shall talk of it another time. Name's now... Freddie McLean. He's uh... a pilot. Who did you say? Freddie McLean. Are you interested? Are you here alone, Jordan? Uh, that young lady standing over there is with me. We were waiting together. You'll be kind enough to get her, Jordan, then step into the rear seat of my limousine. That an order? Yes. Mr. Bliss of the British Intelligence Service and I have some questions to ask of you. Helen and I moved into the back seat of Sam's car. Sam and Mr. Bliss, a thin, wiry, energetic man with a drawn face, sat in front and spoke over the back of their seat. Mr. Bliss carried the ball and he wasn't soft. Mr. Jordan, Miss Buckley... Captain Sabaya tells me you were at the airport waiting for Freddie McLean. Yeah, that's right. What do you know of McLean? Well, he's an old friend of mine. I knew him when he was flying in the RAF. He's flying British transport now. And you were under the impression he was due at the Cairo airport tonight? That's right. How did you arrive at that impression? Hey, what's this all about? Is he coming in or isn't he? You will please answer Mr. Bliss's question, Jordan. Mm, Helen can tell you. Well, I... I got a telegram from him. A telegram? Yes. What did it say? Not very much, just keep Thursday evening open. I assumed from that he was flying in Thursday night. Do you have the telegram, Miss Buckley? Oh, well, I, I really don't know. I, I can look around the office, but I've probably thrown it away. She had it, though, Bliss. I saw it. I see. Well, what happened? What's wrong? Why hasn't he come in? Captain Sabaya, you'll please take Mr. Jordan and Miss Buckley's addresses so I may question them later, if necessary. Now, Don't we get any explanation? I'm afraid not. Not only no explanation, Jordan, but a further order. You are to mention McLean's name to no one. Nor are you to speak of what has occurred here. Is that clear? 
Yeah. Now you are free to go, but do not make any trips or plans of trips out of the city without notifying us first. Something was up, something big. And whatever it was, it looked like Helen and I were right in the middle. Well, it was past supper time when we left Sam and Bliss, so we picked up a cab and headed for the house of Pompeii. But our appetites were someplace else, and we took it lightly. As we stepped out of the restaurant and started down the Sharia Muhammad Ali, going toward Helen's apartment house, I spotted a tan gabardine overcoat leaning against the telephone pole. It was draped around a heavy set man with hanging jowls and black horn-rimmed glasses. I knew we were being watched. I saw Helen to her apartment house safely. Then I turned my attention to the guy in the glasses. But as I moved toward him, he moved in the opposite direction. I had to pick up speed. He led me around the corner and down to the alley where he ducked in. I ducked in after him. The man in a gabardine overcoat was still running. I didn't notice the two guys standing against the wall till one of them got his foot in the way. Just as I figured. Poor sense of balance. Go on, Maxie, help him up. Ah, oh, save it. I can handle it myself. No, no, Maxie wants to help you. Sure. Maxie wants to help you. Come on. All right, Jordan. Strain yourself. Nothing strains Maxie. He takes pills. Yeah, I take pills. You're a little out of your district, Jordan. Maybe. The tambourine's the other way. What you doing over here? Passing out handbills. Uh, what kind of an answer is that? What kind of a question is it? What do you guys want? You were following a friend of ours. Oh, was I? He doesn't like to be followed. Well, neither do I. What you like isn't the point, Jordan. Who is he? Guy with the glasses. A bad question, Jordan. Show him how bad that question was, Maxie. Sure. Maxie will show him. <coughs> Hurt, Jordan? Well, let him have his fun. I'll get my turn. You heard the man, Maxie. Have fun. Yeah. Maxie's gonna have fun. <coughs> yeah. <coughs> okay, Maxie, okay. I can't stand the hilarity. Yeah. From now on, Jordan, the only things you follow are blondes. Drape him over that garbage can, Maxie. He gets the point. It took a while for the ground to get steady again. And by then, the two muscles had vanished into the Cairo night. I dragged myself out of the alley and whistled a taxi to a stop. It took me to the Cairo police station for a word with Captain Sabaya. Even at that late hour, Sam was still sitting behind his desk. Bliss of the British Intelligence Service was standing by the window. They both looked real worried, like goldfish in a shark pond. Jordan, what are you doing here this time of night? I got a complaint. But what happened to you? Helen and I were being followed tonight. After I dropped her off, I tried for the tag man. I didn't get him, but two of his friends got me. I can give you a description of the big boy. Go on. Oh, 45 or so. Heavy set. About 5'10", I'd say, 200 pounds. Big jowls, black horn-rimmed glasses. Walks with a lean to the left. You could identify him if you saw him again, Mr. Jordan? A pleasure, Mr. Bliss. What about the two men in the alley, Jordan? That was too dark. All I can tell you is what their fists felt like. I shall have Sergeant Greco bring in some pictures from the Rose Gallery, and perhaps you will be able to find a photograph of the man you followed. Yeah. Look, fellas, don't you think I've earned some answers? What's this all about? What's the mystery around McLean? Mr. Bliss... Hmm? Shall Jordan be told? You might as well tell him, Captain. He's in it now whether he wants to be or not. Jordan, earlier today, a transport plane left the London airport carrying uh, cargo. Its destination, the Cairo airport. And Freddie McLean was the pilot? Yes, but the flight was to be most secret. No one was to know of it. Why? Because of the nature of the cargo. 
The Federated Bank of London was sending one million dollars in gold coin to its branch bank here in Cairo. Oh, I see. That's what the armored cars and guards were for. Unfortunately, Jordan, there was a leak. Perhaps the telegram McLean sent to Helen Buckley. Perhaps something else. At any rate, there was a leak. The plane did not arrive at the Cairo airport. So that's big trouble. Communication with it was lost someplace over the desert. And so, Jordan, a huge cargo plane, Freddie McLean and two other men, and one million dollars in gold coin have all completely vanished. Del Monte Foods is presenting tonight's adventure with Rocky Jordan. One sure way to prove to yourself what a wonderful cooking aid Del Monte tomato sauce is, is to ask experienced homemakers, cooks who have used it year after year. Mrs. Arthur Burgreen of Portland, Oregon, for instance, is one of these experienced cooks. She said, Over the years, I've used lots of Del Monte tomato sauce, and I've always liked it. To me, Del Monte tomato sauce is superior in flavor and rich red color, and it's seasoned just right. You should see my husband go for the rich home-cooked dishes I make with Del Monte tomato sauce. Spanish rice, I think, is his favorite, but he likes them all. Yes, I certainly am a Del Monte fan. Cooking with Del Monte tomato sauce is so easy, and the way it brings out the flavors of the foods it is cooked with is really wonderful. Thank you, Mrs. Burgreen. Yes, friends, cooking with Del Monte tomato sauce is so easy, and it has a very special way of bringing out all the flavor of the food you cook with it. Look for Del Monte tomato sauce, the original tomato sauce with the matchless flavor. Now we take you back to Cairo, and tonight's Rocky Jordan story, The Big Heist. Sam had cleared some of it up. At least he had told me why he and Bliss were so worried. So a million dollars in gold coin was missing. The problem was how to get it back. I spent a couple of more hours at the station going through some photos Sam had, but I didn't spot the man I tried to follow. Then Sam said I could go. I went back to the tambourine and hit the sack, but I didn't sleep well. I was worried about McLean, why he'd been stupid enough to send a telegram. The next morning, I had a visitor at the tambourine skinny guy with a hawk nose and dirty robes and a smell like a camel. Fendi Jordan, owner of this most noble establishment. Yeah, that's right. My name is Luca. I am a driver of the camels. I have followed the desert trails all my life. A humble lot for a humble man. Uh, what's on your humble mind, Luca? <laughs> you will please excuse the intrusion, Fendi, but observe this small black book. It's an address book. Observe the page. I have folded. My address with phone number. Where'd you get this book, Luca? Uh, on the person of a poor Inglesi who lost himself on the desert. A flyer? Uh, his clothes were most odd. He's got a name. Uh, one I do not know. Uh, where is he now? Somewhere. But safe. Uh, he is then a friend of yours. Uh, maybe. And you wish to be taken to him? And so do the police. Oh, but Luca cannot permit that. 
Luca will take the offended Jordan to this man if the offended Jordan will be considerate of the fact that Luca is a poor man with three wives and many, many children. All right, how much do you want? Hey, your wish, Effendi. Five pounds. Will the good Effendi wish again? All right, ten then. Now, come but on. no police. If the police are called, I shall deny my conversation with you and become as silent as the sphinx of my forebearers. How do I know you're not trying to get me out of the desert for another reason? A foreigner who chooses to live in the desert land, Effendi, is one who will take chances. Uh, I got a phone call to make. Be right with you. I walked into the office and picked up the phone. Luca tagged along. He wanted to be sure I didn't ring the police. I didn't. I dialed Helen Buckley's number. It rang a couple of times, then I heard her voice. Hello. Hello, Helen. It's Rocky. Rocky? I'm glad you called. Any news on Freddy? Yeah, maybe. Listen, I haven't got much time. I think I got a lead on him. A lead? What do you mean? I got a visitor here right now. Camel driver who says he found someone out in the desert. Freddy, I think, and he's got him hidden away. Where? I don't know. I'm going with him now. How do you know he's telling you the truth? Oh, I don't. Rocky, don't do anything foolish. Well, stick close to your phone. If you don't hear from me in three hours, notify Sam. Yes, of course. And good luck, Rocky. Thanks. See you later. All right, Luca, let's go. Luca nodded and we left the tambourine. I drove to the outskirts of town where Luca got old-fashioned. He had a couple of horses waiting. We switched and soon we were riding over the sand. He led me over an obscure desert trail over endless dunes of hot, still sand, then turned off the trail and... Wound me in so many circles, I felt like a roulette wheel with a loose bearing. It was about an hour and a half after we left the tambourine that I saw a couple of solitary palm trees jutting up toward the sky. When we got closer, I saw a tent. That's where Luca was taking me. A few minutes later, we were reining our horses to a stop. Uh, you will find the Inglesi in the tent. Uh, I hope so. Uh, you coming in? I will wait outside. The Effendi will go into the tent alone. Uh... Okay, I took it this far. Guess I can take it the rest of the way. I walked to the tent and threw open the flap. First thing I saw was a body draped on a blanket on the floor. It was dressed in aviator's clothes, and the mop of red hair told me it could have been Freddie McLean. But he was lying face down. I went over to him. It was Freddie McLean, all right. There was a bullet wound in his shoulder, and he was sleeping. I shook him gently and woke him. Rocky. Rocky Jordan. The same. Where, where, where am I? You're in a camel driver's tent on the desert. But how did you get here? Eh, long story, Mac. How do you feel? Well, better. The last thing I remember, I was wandering around the desert. Yeah. Um, you strong enough to ride a horse? Yes, I think so. How's the shoulder? Well, as good as can be expected. Well, we got to get into the city. A lot of people are wondering about you. I can imagine. Look, I know about the gold coin you were flying for the bank. What happened? I still don't believe it. Let's hear it. Well, we were flying without incident until we hit a stretch of the desert close to Cairo. The next thing I knew, there was a strange voice on my radio. It came from a fighter plane on my tail. Fighter plane? Yes. He had his guns on us. Well, we weren't carrying any guns. It was a secret flight, and we didn't want to get any attention by loading up with guns. Anyway, the fighter plane made us cut our radio, then forced us into a landing on some isolated airstrip in the desert somewhere. That sure took a lot of planning. Well, they thought it was worth it. There was a lot of gold on my plane. What happened to your crew? Yeah, dead. I, I got away somehow. I, I imagine they didn't care much. They knew I'd caught a bullet, and I, I suppose they thought that I'd die out on the desert. You remember where that airstrip is? Approximately. All right. Let's get into town and tell Sabaya. Come on, I'll help you. No! No! 
Maxie just separated him. You fellas are pretty busy, aren't you? Oh, there's enough to do. Maxie, throw a little sand over that camel driver and scatter the horses. Sure, Zarko. You know, McLean, we owe Jordan a vote of thanks. He was a good enough Joe to lead us right to you. All right. Out of the tent. Go ahead, climb in the back seat of the Jeep. What's the tour? Don't ask. You won't like it. Let's just say a friend of mine's real anxious to see the both of you. I bet he's nearsighted. And also rich. You know, he, he just picked up a million dollars in gold someone left sitting around in an old airplane. He won't have it long. He'll lose it in taxes. Uh-uh. My friend just won't report it as income. And anyone who tries to is going to get separated. Just like Luca. Well, the second lap of that desert journey of mine was taken in the back seat of a jeep. Zarko drove and Maxie sat in front with a Tommy gun across his lap. It didn't take a sand diviner to guess where we were going. An hour or so later, we were pulling into an old abandoned oasis, stuck in the middle of some ruins from an early dynasty. There was an airstrip leading to it, probably left over from the last war. To one side, under some camouflage netting, stood the British transport plane McLean had flown from London. Alongside of it stood a fighter plane. That's all we saw. Next thing I knew, we were hustled down some stone stairs. A door was open in front of us, and a heavy hand gave us a shove. Don't go away. I'll be back in a minute with some company. Uh, well, what's that? How's your shoulder, Freddy? All right. Uh-oh. Put a bar across the door. Yes, I, I don't see any other way out. They're really playing for keeps. I can't understand how they got wind of this thing. How they knew I was flying in the gold on that particular day. Oh, I can answer that. Oh, but how could you know? The whole thing was secret. What we were flying and especially when... You gave it away. I did? A telegram you sent. Telegram? To Helen Buckley, saying keep Thursday night open. Anyone who saw it could figure out when you were coming in. I thought you had more sense than that. But, Rocky, I didn't send her a telegram. Huh? I didn't. I flew in the war. I know how to keep a secret. Well, somebody sent it. There must have been a leak in London someplace, like Sabaya said. A telegram was used as a signal. It was sent to her to tell what day you were flying. Zarko's boss probably kept an eye on the telegrams going to Helen Buckley and picked up the right day that way. Yeah. You think there's any way out of here? If they gave us long enough time to let our fingernails grow, how else we can dig through those walls? Oh, you make it sound very hopeful. The only hope we've got is Helen. I told her to notify Sam if I didn't get in touch with her in three hours. The three hours are up. Well, they would still have to find us. Yeah, that's right. Zarko's back. With his boss, I'll bet. There they are. Yes, the most joyful sight. Good afternoon, Mr. Jordan, Mr. McLean. You know, we almost met once before, in an alley by Helen Buckley's place. Yes, almost. Did uh, you do all the brain work on it? Most of it. Must have given you a headache. I had some notable assistants from Zacco and Maxey and the Confederate in London, and someone else in Cairo whom both of you know very well. Uh, come in, Miss Buckley. Helen. Yes, Rocky. Well, I guess I had the telephone conversation with the wrong person. Oh, for us, it was the right person. Instead of notifying the police, I called Mr. Bannister. And this, Mr. Jordan, is the result. It's all over, huh? The gold is hidden in the ruins of this oasis. She'll be flown out of Egypt the moment you two are disposed of. 
Now, Sarko, my lad. Please don't come quick! Sarko, see what's going on. Yeah, I'll go take a look. Bannister! It's the police! They got Maxie! They're all around! They're open! Sacco sprawled out on the dirt floor, pretty dead. Helen stood looking at him, too stunned to move. But Bannister wasn't. He started up the stone steps looking for a place to run. I caught him on the top step and grabbed his back of his shirt collar. I spun around, tried to use his knee, but my fist was fast. That bounced him off the dirt wall. I moved in to try again, but Sam Sabaya stepped up and stopped the fight. That will be sufficient, Jordan. Yeah. All right, men. Take Bannister away. Have him take Helen Buckley, too, Sam. She and McLean had... Down in that room. Also take Miss Buckley into custody and see if Mr. McLean is all right. Well, that's it, Sam. You'll find the gold coin hidden in the ruins someplace. Bannister will tell us exactly where. Do not fear. I'm still a little confused, Sam. Hmm? How'd you get here just when you did? How'd you know where to come? You told me, Jordan. I told you. Do you not remember? No. But nevertheless, you did, Jordan. Come, let us go back to the police station. I shall explain it all to you there. In just a moment, Rocky Jordan returns to conclude tonight's story. With Thanksgiving Day coming up next Thursday, one thing is sure, you won't have to worry about what the main dish is going to be. But planning dishes to go with the turkey is sometimes a problem. So here's a suggestion. Why not serve shrimp or crab cocktails? They're easy to fix, and they're a grand way to get your meal off to a flying start. Yes, a shrimp or crab cocktail is a wonderful starter for that Thanksgiving Day dinner. So easy to fix and so tasty when made with Del Monte catsup. Use it plain or in any special recipe you like. Yes, seafood cocktails certainly profit by the extra zip and zest you get in Del Monte catsup. You see, Del Monte catsup is made with pineapple vinegar, the exclusive, superlatively fine vinegar that coaxes out all the very best tomato flavor in catsup. No other catsup has pineapple vinegar. Only Del Monte catsup has it. And Del Monte catsup costs less than many other quality brands. Ask your grocer for Del Monte catsup today. Back now to Rocky Jordan for the conclusion of tonight's story. Well, that was just about it. Sam left some of his men to gather up the gold coin and the rest of us rode back into Cairo. Freddie McLean was taken to the hospital to have his shoulder dressed. Helen Buckley and Bannister made the lockup. I went to Sam's office with him and Mr. Bliss, the special British investigator. The first thing Sam did was dispatch the coroner to take care of Zako and Maxie. Second thing he did was brew some of that very strong Egyptian coffee. We all had a cup, and for once, it tasted good. Uh, well, Mr. Bliss, what are you going to do about Bannister's London contact? The one who sent the telegram through to Helen. I'll have my London office trace the telegram. They'll find out who sent it and make the arrest. After that, I'll wire the London bank and tell them that one million dollars in gold coin has been recovered. Well, that shouldn't make them sore. Well, Sam, what about it? What about what, Jordan? I still want to know how you got to Bannister's hideout. As I said, Jordan, you told us how. A moment, please. Now, uh, listen. 
Listen, I haven't got much time. I think I got a lead on him. A lead? What do you mean? I got a visitor here right now. A camel driver who says he found someone out in the desert. Freddy, I think. And he's got him hidden away. Where? I don't know. I'm going with him now. How do you know he's telling you the... Well, Jordan, does that answer your question? My conversation with Helen. Hmm. He had my phone tapped. Oh, I... I'm afraid I'm responsible for that, Mr. Jordan. You see, I couldn't trust anyone. And while you were here last night, I had my men set it up. After that, Jordan, it was just a matter of following you through the desert. Well, I'm not complaining. At any rate, Jordan, Mr. Bliss has now learned something that I have known for a long, long time. Well, what's that, sir? If one ever wishes to locate the source of trouble in Cairo, one should simply observe your movements very carefully. <laughs> Why? Because somehow, Jordan, you always manage to end up right in the middle of it. For the finest in tomato flavor, enjoy the whole family of Del Monte tomato products. Del Monte catsup and chili sauce. Del Monte tomato sauce and canned tomatoes. And Del Monte tomato juice. Remember, buy wisely. Buy for flavor. By Del Monte. Del Monte, the brand you trust for flavor in so many good foods. Rocky Jordan, written by Gomer Cool and Larry Roman, stars Jack Moyles in the title role with Jane Avello as Sam Zabayo and is produced and directed by Cliff Howell with original music composed and conducted by Richard Arant. Remember, you have a date next week at the Cafe Tambourine run by Rocky Jordan. Same time, same station. And the story is High Pressure. What is more taste-tempting than a dish of whole kernel corn steaming hot with melting butter? Why, nothing, if it's Del Monte whole kernel corn. Extra sweet, extra tender, real corn patch flavor. That's Del Monte whole kernel corn. Try it. Larry Thor speaking. Rocky Jordan is presented over CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. Welcome back. Hope you enjoyed our latest adventure with Rocky Jordan. And don't forget, we'll be back tomorrow with Tales of the Texas Rangers. Do, 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 do. Go live for 5 p.m. GMT. As I mentioned earlier, we've got a supporter page, patreon.com forward slash Brett Songtime Radio Show. But for now, thanks for listening. I'll be with you seven days a week, each and every week, and I'll see you tomorrow on Brett Songtime Radio Show. Love you. Bye. <laughs>